0: I feel like when I finished my first song, I was about twelve, and it was called "No One Sees Me," and it was very dramatic. Oh my gosh! I would just say stay really true to the to the music that you love, which is obviously country music, because eventually everybody else in the world is going to come around to exactly what you already know is so true and that it is you know so connected to who I am but so connected to us as humans because it's all about storytelling and connection so I would just say stay true to you and don't listen to to the crazy bullies who tell you that it's not cool. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Songwriter Trysts. This is an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I love talking with other artists about the power of songwriting and their journey to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions. All the great things that build an amazing song. Please support the podcast by subscribing or you can buy us a coffee all through the website All right, welcome to A Songwriter Trists and we have the beautiful, the amazing Max Jackson. Thank you so Uh much for coming on the show. We've talked about it before and we eventually got here and you have had like just such a wild journey since I first met you at Rod's studio in Sydney and now you're like ambassador for the Tamworth Country Music Festival. You're releasing incredible songs. Um, So I'm just going to start from the beginning and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Oh, well, thank you
0: so much for having
1: me. I absolutely love the podcast, so
0: I'm excited. You know, songwriting is my jam, so I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. But um, yeah, a little bit about me. So I grew up in uh, a little country town about an hour and a half west of Dubbo uh, called Canamble, and that's basically where I fell in love with country music. Uh, there wasn't many sort of shows that would come to our little town, but lots of my favourite country singers would um, add Canamble on their tour list, which was, you know, thank God they did because that's where I got all the inspiration. My parents were country music fans and just would take me along and just enjoy the music basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there I just had this mad idea to, oh, yep, that's what I want to do too. And my parents (laughs) are like, well, what are we going to do with this girl? Because we don't know anything about doing, you know, this at all. So, yeah, yeah, just incredibly supportive parents and um, through a very long journey of, you know, doing this and doing that and putting myself into some lessons and things I ended up uh, where I am today. But some of my, yeah, most exciting things that have happened in the past few years have been winning Toyota Star Maker in 2022 um, and then, as you mentioned, um, I'm now the ambassador of the Tamworth Country Music Festival. So it's sort of like the music is where everything started, but I'm doing all these different things um, now as well, which is fun, and we can talk more yeah. about that. But, um, yeah, just won my first golden guitar at yes. uh, Tamworth this time um, as new talent of the year. So it's been a very long journey to get to this point. We can sort of delve into whatever parts of that that you
1: want to, but um Here we are. (laughs) Well, your smile was priceless when I saw that picture of you holding the golden guitar. It's like, yeah, that girl deserves it. She has worked hard and you can tell it's something that you've just, you know, you've been aiming for for a long time. And, you know, it it does, it takes a a lot of hard work and dedication to to get to that sort of area. I want to know who were the, you know, the country artists that were coming to your town that kind of really inspired you and put you in that direction?
0: Yeah, so um, particular shows that I remember going to when I was little was Gina Jeffries Mm -hmm. who turned out to be, you know, a very, very big part of my life and my journey um, as a mentor and I would look up at her and I just thought she was, you know, the absolute princess of country music, which she, you know, was, but it was like so much more than the music. It was like her fashion sense. It was everything about her. It was her energy Mm -hmm. um, that really drew me in. And then I was going to shows like Becky Cole. I absolutely loved Becky. I, yeah. I remember even being a kid and like not understanding because she's so hilarious and, you know, <laughs> funny with jokes and stuff. I didn't know what the jokes she was telling actually <laughs> meant, but I just always thought she was really cool and an amazing songwriter. And, you know, people like, um, Troy Cassidaly would come out to Canamble and Lee Kernighan. So we were really lucky in the sense that it was very far away from a lot of things. But, um, yeah, I think that, like all country towns even to this day, um, are very starved of entertainment and particularly like big touring acts. So we were very lucky to have people like that uh, coming out to the town.
1: And there must be a lot of support in that town as well to um, make it able for artists to actually travel out there and and put on their shows and do what they're doing and... I think Slim Dusty definitely like paved the way for just getting into every nook and cranny of Australia because you're right, like I come from a small country town and there's just never anything on. You can go to the pub or you can go to church or you can watch the football game on the weekend with the high school kids and that's it. Like, And very rarely does music come to town. So it's beautiful that you had that and that your parents were obviously fans and they took you along or is that how it...
0: Yeah, so my mom's a hairdresser and my dad's always been in transport management, basically. So, um, but they just loved country music the same as me. Um, and they would, yeah, just get tickets to anything that was going on. And, and like you said, you know, it is a very community driven thing to get acts out there. Like I remember that once they were on a committee that was, you know, booking music to come to the showground or to the rodeo and things like that, too. So it was sort of like a very, you know, people who loved country music banding together and, and going, like, let's get this artist out and let's get this artist out and see if they'll come and play at the radio, rodeo or they'll come and play at this thing. So, um, yeah, they were a big part of, of loving country music and wanting to bring it um, to the community, which I'm so glad they did.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they, they obviously made a big, um, a big effort to do that, so I love that. And it inspires the young people who are regional as well, which, you know, um, jobs are out there and that means there's kids out there and you have to then create culture and community for those children. What was like? What was it like with your parents not having anything to do with the music industry? Obviously, being fans, telling them you wanted to be a singer songwriter or like you know you wanted to pursue this path. How was that experience with your family?
0: Yeah, look, I feel like uh, they've always just been really supportive of whatever it is that I wanted to do. But I think they were very like, we just have no idea how to help in this space you know like it's just a completely foreign world and I think as well being very far away from things like it wasn't like you could just jump into this sort of you know lesson or or meet this mentor and, and things like that and I was really lucky um I was actually like a pretty um I always say a difficult child. <laughs> but there was reasoning behind this, right? so i okay. had I Why had a lot of so food. Difficult? I had a lot of food allergies, which is like something a whole other story to get into, okay. but but that I didn't know about. And so I had a lot of like mood things going on, but I was also just a very like full on kid like no matter what it was that I was like into I was just like super into it so they were just trying to find any avenue to keep me busy basically when I was quite young and this is from the age of like three and four that I'm saying I want to be a singer I want to be a singer I want to and I was saying I want to go to school (laughs) (laughs) you actually can't go to school uh at this point in time so what they did was actually put me into uh there was a teacher in Canaveral and her name's Jessie Tim. And another side note to that story is that she is now in the same nursing home as my nan and I Aww. see her still to this day. And she was my very first music teacher and she actually started everybody out on elocution. So she would get you to like recite poems, poetry. Yeah. And so that's how I started and I actually was reciting poetry on stage when I was three and four and then I love that it. Turned into my my singing, but obviously that really inspired me with rhyme and with words and stories and and things like that as well.
1: Was it the same when you were like, I'm going to, like, now I've finished school, I'm Mm -hmm. now going to keep doing this, or was there, like, a plan B, I could always be a hairdresser or something, like?
0: Yeah, like, honestly, no. Just, I mean, they always encouraged me that, like, you need to, I, when I first finished school, I had like other jobs so that I could fund, you know, making music or wanting to go to this place and that place and and things like that. So I just had like odd jobs here and there that I would just pick up. Uh, but I also sort of got into uh, like mentoring other young artists as well and helping them on their journey. So that's something that I um, have done since I left school. And it just made it that music could be really my full-time focus, even though there was a lot of different Uh, parts of that and what I was doing, which was, you know, gigs, but I was also teaching others and and passing on skill and and things like that too. So yeah, they never, ever, ever said that I needed to do something else basically, which was, you know, um, really
1: cool. (laughs) It's so good and it's so uncommon. It gives you such a, um, such a good foundation to, to jump into it from. Tell me about your songwriting. When did you write your first song?
0: Wrote my first song. I feel like when I finished my first song, I was about 12 and it was called No One Sees Me and it was very dramatic. So this sort of brings into the next part of like the journey, which was my parents moved from Canamble to the Hunter Valley where I live now and I was just a complete outcast at my school. Like, you know, I'd come from this really small community where I knew everybody and just was really comfortable with, you know, who I was and didn't even think about the fact that you could be judged by people or be different or anything like that. And, uh, you know, then I moved and I went to quite a big school uh, when we moved here. And I remember, like, we had to cross at the traffic lights to get into school and like there was no traffic lights in Kenable like
1: yeah, right, things
0: right. like it was such a big difference and even on the first day of school they accidentally took me into the wrong classroom they took me into the year above and my mum was like, these kids are like a lot bigger than you. Like oh. and, and but it was the wrong room. But anyway, I was a, I was a massive outcast, just you know, people. I actually got really picked on for liking country music when I was younger and because that was just so uncool at uncool, the time and I know, yeah. so you good that it's cool way. now. <laughs> but um You just keep going yes, and make it cool. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I wrote that first song, because I was like, literally no one sees me for who I am. They just all see me as like different To everybody else and it was just pretty much yeah just writing down my feelings and 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 I was lucky that when we moved here there was actually a couple of country music nights that I could go to every week and um get up and and there was actually like a full professional band there that would play and yeah you could do like a walk-up thing where you put your name down and I would get up and sing you know maybe one of my originals and a cover or something like that and so I was lucky that I yeah at the same time as feeling like a Big outcast, and that sort of inspired my songwriting. That there was also like something I could actually do and feel like I was fitting in at the same time. So yeah, that's like an outlet.
1: Something I do feel like sometimes school isn't great (laughs) for kids, and um, sometimes hard. (laughs) It's hard, but also like my my oldest will come home and be like, "I want to do homeschool or I want to you know change schools because I want a fresh start." And it, it is really hard, but people are the same everywhere, and learning how to have society and like how we fit in or not (laughs) fit in um is really important skill and it's it's so challenging and so yeah finding community outside of those environments is really important and you had that that's so cool and i i really like this idea of like it's like, it's like like an open mic night
0: yeah so it was pretty much um but the really cool thing about it at the time was they had a host of every night then they had a walk-up section so the hosts were like a rotating like four artists who would do it throughout the month and then there was also a guest act so like people would come like travel in maybe while they were on tour passing through and they would be like the guest artist for the night so it was actually really cool because it was yeah really much fostering young talent but it was also showcasing you know people at the Height of their career as well. So I mean, I look back at that and I think I can't believe I had that. I was I so love lucky. That now that sounds I know. so
1: great. Um, I'm taking notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me about like your journey from when you first wrote you wrote your first song. You had this great community, and what about releasing your first song? What was that journey emotionally and preparing for? For that experience, and were you prepared for it? For it, do you think?
0: Yeah, look, I um, had a very interesting first, like proper release, like that song that I wrote. I sort of like burnt onto a CD and would like Aww. give to people and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. but my first yeah. all proper, <laughs> my first proper release. Uh, so I met Gina and Jeffries and Rod McCormack in two thousand and nine, and I was lucky to meet them because I, um, I entered a. Like a radio talent quest, and they were the judges. And then uh, that was sort of the reason why I entered because I really wanted to meet Gina. And and obviously, I knew, you know, how amazingly talented Rod was. And so I entered because I just wanted to meet them. And I was lucky to win. And the prize was actually a full day of mentoring with Gina and a recording with Rod. So that's how really my first proper release came about. And then it actually um, turned into something that was. A really cool concept at the time was Rod was working with a bunch of new artists and he put together uh, a thing called The Apprentices, which was for new artists. And we didn't, so we were all on the one album and the one release together, but it was like we had three songs each on the album. Oh, so, cool. it, and it was cool because then we like toured a little bit together and we did some opening acts together where we would sing a song together maybe at the beginning of the show and then we would split off into our like individual parts of the show. and. Um, that was my first release, and it, the song was called Butterflies, and it was like very, very cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just re- I, I guess I don't remember like exactly what it felt like, but I feel like I'd written so many songs to that point, and it was really exciting to have you know a release that sounded so amazing because it was you know, recorded and produced by Rod. And it was a song that we'd actually written together too. So I also had his expertise as a co-writer in there as well, which was incredible to learn from at that point in time as well because I was writing a lot by myself. But I was lucky then to be having, you know, mentors um, like Rod and Gina who were helping me sort of just make my songs the best they could be. And and without that, I don't think I'd be the writer that I am today because I was, you know, so young and I I was sharing all my ideas and stuff but I was really the student in that room at the time.
1: It sounds like you had so much support and like I, lo- I, w- I would have loved to have had three other people that were also doing it for the first time with me and like that camaraderie that you would have been able to have of sharing each other's emotions and knowing mm-hmm. what it feels like, um, that's a real rarity, you know, to be able to release something that you've done into the world and do that journey with other people. And I think it's um, it's scary But it's also to have other people that know what you're going through because they're going through the same thing is community. And it sounds like you've had such good community, like you've been so blessed and protected in that sense. I really Um, have. And when I
0: think about this stuff, I think, wow, I have really been lucky to, uh, you know, meet people along the way that have just really clicked with me. Uh, That's been like a really special thing too. Lynn Botel was another um, one of my early mentors and I mean, incredible singer, incredible songwriter. And so I guess I was really lucky to be surrounded by those people. Uh, But I was also lucky too, because I was, you know, trying really hard to connect with these people and be good to work with and be fun to be around and all that sort of stuff too. So it was like, it wasn't like I was going in there and then just not caring about those relationships too. I was really um, grateful for those relationships and, and for what they were teaching me.
1: And that's super important as well. It's not something that we do on our own, is it? Um, mm. We have to do it with people that have got our backs and that we can trust. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about sort of what that journey has been like from that first experience where it's been really supported and... I mean, it's that was that 2009 you said or?
0: Yeah, it was around that time,
1: yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's been quite a journey to like mm-hmm. now your first Golden Guitar. What would you say were the really big pivotal moments between first release, Golden Guitar?
0: Yeah, so the biggest uh, pivotal moments were, so for a while between that and then releasing my debut album in 2020, mm-hmm. I was actually sort of on this journey that I think a lot of artists go on where you're like I was actually really writing a lot for other artists as well so I was sort of in this thing where I was like I had a few cuts with other artists and I was getting like songs on other people's albums and was really like in the songwriting space for a while and then I basically was just writing 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 all the time whether it be by myself or whether it be with co-writers or for other artists. And then I basically wrote like a bunch of songs that were just so personal to me that I f- that that basically turned into my first album, which was called Life of the Party. And it was sort of like I just felt like I can't pitch this song to anyone. I can't give this song to anyone or even like force this idea upon anyone because it's so personal to me and it just felt also like I would would have been giving away something that was like too special as well so I um basically then um along with Rod again we worked out a plan to go and record that album in Nashville which was a really special experience it was I think I went there with like 32 songs and then I sat down with Rod and a few other people like on my team and people that I really trusted um and we got the songs down to 13 songs and I'd, I'd been writing these 13 songs for like I reckon, 10 years, honestly, Mm. to that point. So it was like the 13 best songs I could have ever written at that point in time. And we recorded that album in Nashville. That was a really big, uh, important moment for me because it was like where I finally owned the fact that I really wanted to be the person who was on stage sharing the stories. And because for me it's always been about connection to the idea or connection to who's going to be hearing the song. And I finally connected with the fact that I wanted to be the person connecting with the audience sort of thing. So that was really important. And then it was really hard because I released it in March 2020. So that was like right, right as everything closed down. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard because I had like a whole year of touring booked. I had so much, um, you know, so many plans and so many artists did. Uh, but then I'm so proud of that music, always will be. It's, it's actually quite different to where I am musically now. It was much more songwriter-based. Okay. Um, and this, and then in the time that we were all stuck at home, which we don't want to talk about too much, <laughs> but that's when I had the idea to enter Star Maker. And because I was like, you know what, how can I put myself out there in a way that's like a bit scary and also how can I get in front of more people sharing my songs basically? And I thought, well, what better way to do it than to enter Star Maker? I'm going to be able to perform on that big stage in front of, you know, the big audience. And that was sort of like right as we were properly coming out of lockdowns and being able to play again. And I was like, I yeah. just want to play in front of as many people as I can. Yeah. So entered entered Star Maker, lucky one star maker. And then from there, just things have just really moved so fast. I was lucky that, you know, it was so fun working with the star maker team. We created my four track EP that released and, right. um, songs like run and I think really put me sort of more on the map as a, as an artist and particularly for things like festivals as well. Um, I had, I finally was starting to have these songs that were like that big energy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much after that, um, it just kept rolling on. So after that, my plan was to grow my team. Um, in this past year, I've been really lucky to, uh, sign with my dream label, ABC music, and also with my dream managers, uh, Steve White and Brogan White. And that's really helped me to sort of move on to that next, next point. And, and yeah, now I'm the ambassador and the golden guitar. And so it's sort of just <laughs> that, like allowing the motion to keep rolling. And, and I just do it always because I love it. Like that, I love the connection and I love writing that next song that I can just imagine being on stage performing as well. So always with that at the core of everything that I'm doing.
1: You said before that it took you till 2020 to kind of decide or realise that 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 was you, that you wanted that to be, that person connecting with people on stage. What was it before that? Like was it just like stage fright or you weren't sure if you just wanted to be the songwriter or...? Yeah, I don't know. And I think it was like that I didn't
0: know. I think I went around the world. I think being picked on for liking country music had a bit of an effect on me as well. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to try and write some pop songs. I'm going to try and write some these songs. And then I literally came back to exactly what I was doing in the first place because that's where my heart was. But I think I had to sort of like step out and do some different things to know that that's exactly where I wanted to be. And I guess it just took that amount of time to really – figure out who I was, who I wanted to be as an artist as well and what I wanted to say.
1: Mm, Imposter syndrome. Mm, totally. That's rough. All right, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, maybe mm-hmm. when you were in school and you were being picked on or, I don't know, like somewhere where you really felt like you just, you wish you had have known this then, What would yeah. you, what would you say?
0: Oh, my gosh. I would just say stay really true to the to the music that you love which is obviously country music because eventually everybody else in the world is going to come around to exactly what you already know is so true and that it is you know so connected to who I am but so connected to us as humans because it's all about storytelling and connection so I would just say Stay true to you and don't listen to to the crazy bullies who tell you that
1: it's not cool. <laughs> well, we we say there's two types of people in the world on this podcast. It's people who love country music and people who will one day. Yes, once exactly. they work out what it really is. Because I, I wasn't raised on country music and I didn't know what it was. Um, yeah, <laughs> and like when I met Gina, I didn't know who Gina was because I wasn't I was raised in the Christian music world and then there was Pop music on the radio, and that was it. You know, in, in a country town, yeah. if, if your parents aren't into it, or I think that there was country music, but um, it was also very uncool. So yeah. yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it is. It's it's hard, um, but you're right. It's just such a connecting connecting space that um, it gets deeper, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and we need mm-hmm. that deeper connection, especially today, more than ever. It, it, I know you've worked with so many different people. But do you have, like, if you could work with anyone in the world, Dead or Alive, like, who would you collaborate with or write with? Oh, my gosh.
0: Yes, so many people. Um, I'd love to write a song with Casey Musgraves because I just think she's, like, incredible. And she really inspired my first album um, a lot, just her deep connection to lyric and melody, particularly. melodies, like, actually my favourite part of, of writing songs. Okay. Um, which I think is probably more rare than – because a lot of people get into it because they love the, the lyric and everything, but I love the way a melody makes you feel. And I think her melodies are just amazing. I'd love to work with her. Um, gosh, it's – you know, when sometimes you go to think of it and all the names escape you, but it's – you know, Dolly Parton. I'd love to write with Dolly <laughs> Parton. The queen, the queen. I, just want to, like, see her live. I know. And you know, I'd also love just to work with people in complete other spaces. Like Stevie Nicks really inspired me as well. And I, I, a lot of the time I come back to, it's it's women who really have something to say. Like that's who has always really inspired me. Um, so, yeah, the names escape me but, oh, my gosh, I'm so inspired to work with so many people in the future and, yeah, I'm definitely all about expanding out and seeing where the writing takes me and, and where everything takes me.
1: I love how you just said um, you love working, like you, you're inspired by women who have something to say. What do you feel like you want to say through your music?
0: Yeah, look, I wanna say, I want to say what feels true to me at any given moment because I think that's, at the end of the day, the whole point in making music um, and that's always going to change. But I want to, I just guess I want people to feel less alone for the fact that I have shared something that might be, might be hard, might be, you know, am I, obviously I'm going to write heaps of just feel good songs and stuff too. But I think it's particularly when you share the things that you feel like you're going through and nobody else is going through, mm-hmm. that's when other people feel less alone. So I feel like that's what I want to say is whatever's true to me that is also going to make other people feel less alone. That's the only way I can put yeah, it.
1: Yeah, and look, you, yeah, with the bullying and the feeling like an outcast, um, so many of us know what that feels like. Uh, fixing Things, how's it going? It's such a cute song and hilarious, <laughs> by the way. I was like, what did, did she just say that? Like, what? <laughs> so, so funny. Tell, tell us about that one. What was the co write like?
0: Yeah, so I wrote it with Jay Knowles. He's one of my uh, favourite songwriters to write with. He's Nashville-based, and we also wrote Life of the Party together, which is one of my other most favourite songs that I've written. Um, And pretty much, like, I took the idea in, and it was worded a bit different at the time, but it was basically like... I'm good at fixing things without fixing anything. Like I just sweep things under the rug or I do this or I do that. Like, and I just had a list of things and he made it way more clever. He's just (laughs) one of the most clever lyricists that I've ever worked with. Um, But pretty much I wanted to, um, what I wanted to do, because I was in Nashville and we were there at the time of CMA Fest, which is, you know, the town is just transformed into this electric party central of country music and I I wanted to actually bottle up the sound of like the honky tonks down on Broadway that where it's like nightclubs but everybody's partying to country music. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like this is the (laughs) ultimate. Imagine if I had this when I was 18 and I could go out to a nightclub that was playing Shania Twain. Like, you know, I wanted to basically bottle up that energy and that vibe and that's where the honky tonk you know, style of playing came into it. Uh, And, yeah, it was was just literally meant to be funny and quirky and make people laugh. But also I think we all do that stuff, right, like where you see someone and you're like, I don't think I'm ready for this conversation. I'm just going to pretend that I didn't see the person and turn the other way and, Uh you know. I'm good at I'm good at doing that like we all do that stuff and we never talk about it so I think um (laughs) it was just about putting some of those quirky little things so maybe people when they listen to it won't feel as bad about the things that they do too I
1: I love I definitely related to the whole song and I was just like yep I love this this is hilarious and it's totally my vibe (laughs) oh thank you that's really cool you have um, such an inspirational story and such a great attitude of working with other people and working with mentors and getting support and you, you've you put in the hard yards. Um, and I know that anyone listening to this podcast from now know that it's like, you know, you didn't just win Star Maker and then go on to become this massive success. Like there was so much like 10 years or 12 years of preparation mm-hmm. and recording and practice and figuring out who you were and what your sound was before – getting into that um Mm -hmm. and that you know I'm sure there would have been those moments of why am I really doing this should I just you know do something else because it isn't easy um and so I'm I'm really grateful that you stuck with it so thank you and well done oh thank you so much beautiful person who's getting the recognition she deserves and it means that we want to see more and more of your music out there um is there anything else you would like to say or share before we finish up Oh, look, I think, you know, I just love
0: staying, like I, we've talked about connection so much on here, but just if anyone wants to stay connected with what I've got coming out, it's obviously my socials at Max Jackson Music. And I love, I love making content and I hope that it's content that makes people smile as they scroll past and, you know, have a laugh every now and then as well. And it's all about not taking life too seriously, but sharing lots of musical things online. So I guess, yeah, let's, let's stay connected in that way as well. And And I love what you're doing with this podcast. It's awesome because I think yeah like you said we never get to talk about all of the things that you know seemingly um happen overnight but don't happen overnight so that was really fun to talk about all of that.
1: I think you're amazing and you're such an inspiration I think it's beautiful to see you know your story started as being you know being inspired by country singers. Yeah being a fan and but, but I'm still a fan. Now. You know you're still yeah. a fan but you and and but you're also doing that for so many people. And you like the glorious thing about doing what you're doing is that you'll probably never know just how many girls or other people that you've inspired to to head down that path and follow their heart as well.
0: Oh, um, and thank I just you. think it's so
1: beautiful. So keep doing it. Thank you very much. And I will put all of your links so that everyone can find you, follow you, listen to you, um, and and support you on your journey as well. Oh, thank you so much. Team Max Jackson.
0: We're all in this together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Thank you.
0: Thank you
1: thanks for joining our songwriter tryst today to join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts you can follow us on facebook linkedin instagram and twitter please leave a review and subscribe to support the podcast or contact me or our guests please go to the website songwriter trysts.com lost in the crowd no Wish